This is the Warm Springs program on KWSO. The COVID-19 vaccine is now available for children age 5 to 11. The Northwest Portland Area Indian Health Board recently hosted a virtual community forum that featured medical and public health experts responding to questions about COVID-19 vaccines for children. Their guests were Dr. Allison M.P., a citizen of the Confederated Tribes of Grand Ronde and a pediatrician who works at OHSU. Dr. Thomas Weiser, a physician and medical epidemiologist for the Portland Area Indian Health Service, and Tyann Connor, who does vaccine confidence work with the Native Boost Program. The following are some of the questions that were asked during the webinar and the responses. How many kids participated in the vaccine trial before it was approved and what were their side effects? Dr. Weiser responds. There was a trial that they did with children age 5 to 11 that had about 1,500 children who received the vaccine and 750 children who received the placebo, uh, which is uh, another injection, but it wasn't the actual vaccine. And uh, the trial was conducted in, in four different countries. There were two actual groups of children that they looked at. There was the initial enrollment group, so that's that the numbers I just gave you. And then there was another safety expansion group that had about 100 more kids in it. And they had a really short duration of follow-up where they wanted to make sure that they had a few more people who they followed just for a couple of weeks to be able to really make sure they could identify any acute problems, any immediate problems. And then, but the other group, those ones were followed up for an average or median of 2.3 months. So that's how long they were followed after getting the vaccines in the trial. And short-term side effects, the kinds of things that you would get with probably any vaccine, whether it's a tetanus shot or an HPV vaccine or anything like that, you would expect to see um, local reactions, redness at the injection site, swelling, pain at the injection site, or a sore arm. And then there's something called systemic reactions, which are whole body reactions. And so this would include things like fever, nausea, vomiting, headache, fatigue, just feeling super tired, chills, um, new or worsened muscle pain, and new or worsened joint pain. So if somebody already had underlying joint pain or muscle pain, then that might feel worse on that day when they got their vaccine. So 2.7% of the children who actually received the vaccine and 1.1% of children who received the placebo had systemic reactions that were severe or higher. And there was just one child in the vaccine um, side of the study that had a fever, which was over 40 degrees centigrade. And so that was considered a severe systemic reaction. Reactions were most common after the second dose and pain at the injection site, fatigue and headache were the most commonly seen reactions that people had. So this is what you might expect your child to have if they get the vaccine. Dr. MP added to the response. You can't get COVID from the vaccine itself. So it is not the virus that the vaccine carries in it. And so that you can't get it. But like Tom mentioned, you can get some reaction and that's just your body's immune system getting revved up and ready for if in the future you're exposed to the virus. And so that can be some of those, I think, uh, I think you mentioned fever or kind of headaches, um, and that's just your body's natural um, response to building immunity.
because of a, the you know it being a smaller dose, they actually saw less reactions in children than adults. Dr. Rempe responds to the question, what is the difference between the vaccine for children versus adults? The one that is approved currently for kids is Pfizer. And so there's also the Pfizer vaccine, which is approved for children 12 years of age and older. And although they're both Pfizer, the dosages are different. So for those who are 5 to 11, it's about a third of the dose than the ones that were studied and which are approved for children 12 years and older. One of the questions I often get or I've heard before is, hey, my kid is 11 years and 11 months. And so parents are asking, should, you know, what vaccine should they get? And it really, you know, it was studied by age. And so I usually recommend that we do it by age. So if they're 11 years old when they get the first vaccine, then we'll stick with the one that's approved for those who are 5 to 11. And the second down, if they're 12, we'll go with the adult dose for that. I think other patients have asked me as well, like my kid is 11 years old, but they are, they're big boned and, um, you know, they're as big as my 14 year olds. Should they get the vaccine for those 12 and older? And I stick with what um, was approved and what's been studied. And so I would recommend that they get the vaccine for the five to 11 year old. How long were other childhood vaccines in trials before they were approved? Dr. MP responds. It usually takes about 10 years for a vaccine to get fully approved. But we can talk a little bit about why they were able to really uh, warp speed um, this vaccine into production. So I'll just talk a little bit about the basics of how a vaccine is approved first, and then we can talk a little bit about why we were able to do it faster with um, the COVID vaccine. So usually they spend a couple years doing some basic lab research. So that's like the people you see in the white coats in a lab studying that. And then they do spend a couple years maybe in preclinical, which means means they're working oftentimes with animals and doing research on animals. And they do that before they move into the different phases of um, vaccine clinical trials. And that's with humans involved. So usually that includes three different phases. The first one, they give it to a small number of people. So usually less than 100. And they're looking um, really for safety and how people respond to the vaccine. Do they respond and create um, those awesome things that we call antibodies, which means they're able to recognize a virus or bacteria, whatever uh, the vaccine is against that uh, particular virus um, or bacteria. The next part is a phase two where more people get the vaccine. And there's usually a group who get the vaccine and those who don't get the vaccine so that they can kind of look at differences between the two groups. Lastly is phase three where the vaccine is given to thousands of people. And they look for kind of monitoring the same thing, safety, and how people are reacting to it. And if it works, right? And we want to make sure that it's effective against what we're trying to prevent. And then lastly, there's the production. So getting that vaccine out to people. And during that time when it's approved, also, um, we are continuing to monitor safety, just like we're doing for all of the COVID vaccines now. 
So the reason that we were able to get the COVID vaccine out so quickly is a couple different reasons. One, we actually were studying the science for mRNA vaccines against a very similar virus. If everyone remembers SARS that we saw a couple years ago, we actually were developing vaccines for that. And so there was uh, already studies that had been done that had been done in the lab and had been done in animals. And so we already had that science. And then the second thing was that there were a lot of people who were willing to sign up for the vaccine trial. So that's one of the uh, things we always run into is getting enough people. And then also having that virus or bacteria around. So COVID was around everywhere. And so we could really quickly test how effective it was because so many people were exposed to it. And so for those reasons, we were um, went through the vaccine trials much faster than normal. But for the Pfizer vaccine for adults, it's actually fully FDA approved now, which means it went through every single step. And the children's vaccine that was just approved for the five to 11 year olds, one of the things that we do for children vaccines is we make sure that we test it in adults first. And so luckily we had all of those trials done before. That's why we were able to approve it so fast. What is the difference between the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines? And is Moderna going to have a vaccine for children 5 to 11? Dr. MP. Both Pfizer and Moderna use the mRNA technology. And so there's no difference in terms of that. They're just two different big companies that made the vaccine. And Moderna does have ongoing trials for children. And so I am assuming that they will also have emergency approval for Moderna for children at some point this winter, um, spring. Will kids have to get boosters? Responding is Dr. Weiser. So that's a great question. And I, I, unfortunately, we don't have a great answer for that because we just don't know what the future is going to hold for COVID. It might turn out that we need to get a, a COVID vaccine every year, like we get flu vaccines for at least for a while, or it might turn out that maybe we need to get a booster every few years, you know, like we do with tetanus shots, but we just don't really know what's going to happen to the natural history of of COVID and the virus that causes it. So it's kind of to be continued story for that. How long after testing positive for COVID-19 can you be vaccinated? Dr. Weiser responds. The most important thing is to wait until you're no longer infectious to others. So at at least 10 days after the onset of symptoms or the positive test before you go to a healthcare uh, setting to get a vaccine. But yeah, you can you can wait a little bit longer because you have some uh, antibody protection from that natural infection. So you shouldn't go while you're still infectious and you should go, you know, anytime after that period will be fine. Is COVID-19 that serious for kids, even though some don't have any symptoms? Dr. Weiser. You know, one of the issues that we've come up with is that, you know, it is a lot less severe in children than in adults. There are a lot more children who have asymptomatic infection compared to adults. And that's one of the issues that, you know, we've been having is that many people feel like, well, if COVID is a mild illness, then maybe they don't need to be vaccinated, right? But it's not completely benign in children. It's not, it's not something that doesn't cause severe illness. So even if you know a lot of kids get COVID and they have very few symptoms, very mild illness, there are still some that can get really, really sick. And you can't predict 
which children those are going to be. So with the recent Delta wave surge that we've seen, pediatric COVID-19 hospitalizations occurred even when there was a high degree of prior infection. And so that's what seroprevalence is, is 38% of children 5 to 11 had antibodies already circulating. There's still so many infections being seen. So it's not enough to have a prior infection to prevent you from getting um, COVID. And so far, we've had 8,300 COVID-19 related hospitalizations since the beginning of the pandemic all the way through mid-October. And that's in children who are aged 5 to 11. So that's a lot of kids who've been hospitalized with COVID. And that number is similar to the number of hospitalizations you might see for flu in a typical flu season. You might see about 8,000 to 10,000 children who are hospitalized for flu. And then also with the flu, COVID-19 hospitalizations can be really serious. So out of those 8,300 children who are hospitalized, we know of at least 94 children who have died from COVID since the pandemic began. And about a third of children who are hospitalized in this age group will require ICU admission. So that means um, they, they need more intensive care and uh, sometimes they have to be put on a breathing machine or a ventilator and receive a lot of supportive treatment during that time. And then the other thing that can happen with children that uh, doesn't happen as much with adults is something called multi-inflammatory syndrome. And we call it MISC, so multi-inflammatory syndrome of children. And the, the age group of children that most commonly gets this is the children who are 5 to 11 years of age. And so far, we've had over 2,300 cases reported of MISC. And this is a, a severe inflammatory syndrome. It's similar to something that we knew before called Kawasaki's disease. And it can make children really sick and it can have, they might require hospitalization and even ICU level care for a long time. And it can affect the heart and the kidneys and uh, other parts of the body. And so that's really important. There's also, you've heard the term long COVID or post COVID, COVID long haulers, they call them. And mostly we think about that with adults, but this has also been seen in children too. And so we have this condition, this COVID infection that can, for the most part, be a very mild illness, but there's no way to know which children are going to get really sick, need to be hospitalized, end up in ICU, or develop MISC, or this long-term COVID complications. Is it beneficial for my seven-year-old to get vaccinated when everyone else in my family is already vaccinated? Dr. MP answers. I would still recommend the seven-year-old getting the COVID vaccine. And the reason being, one, although the vaccine is great, it actually is 90% effective. I think the studies have come out for five to 11-year-olds, but there's still the possibility that if your child was in school, they could get the virus and bring it home. And even though if all the adults surrounding are vaccinated, it's not 100% perfect. So the adults could still get it. They could still spread it to elders in the community who maybe aren't able to get vaccinated or children who aren't able to get vaccinated for um, whatever reason. And so, you know, for those even less than five years of age who hasn't been approved for to help protect them 
in our community as well. And the other reason I would recommend it as well that I'm recommending for all kids is if a child isn't vaccinated and they get COVID, they have to stay home from school during that time. And I just think that being in school is just so important right now for our children. Will the vaccine allow children to be in class without masks? Answers are given by Dr. Weiser and Dr. MP. Right now, even kids who are vaccinated are still going to need to wear masks in the classroom. We don't have our crystal balls available to tell us when we'll be able to rip off those masks and and do a dance of joy and, and do all the things that we normally would like to do. Hopefully someday that will come soon, but vaccination is just one piece of the puzzle to protect children and others from COVID-19. So I, I think of it as like a Swiss cheese, and, and you've probably seen pictures before of um, Swiss cheese with, is the cheese with the holes, right? And if you line up two slices of Swiss cheese, you might still have a couple of holes that you can see light through. And if you get three or four slices of Swiss cheese all together, it makes a solid wall of cheese. You can't get through. And that's kind of these different recommendations around vaccination and wearing masks and not getting too close to people and washing your hands, all these things are kind of like different layers of Swiss cheese that together will plug up all those holes and help keep the the virus from getting from one person to another. Also, you know, thinking about, you know, lunchtime at school, when kids are eating or taking a sip or they're playing on the playgrounds and they're touching things. And so I would still definitely recommend the COVID vaccine for kids, even though they're wearing masks. Will there be a vaccine for infants? Dr. Weiser. You know, Pfizer has been a few steps ahead of Moderna in each of these new indications. So, you know, but all the, both Pfizer and Moderna are working on vaccine uh, trials to look at vaccinating down to six months of age. And, you know, part of that, the reason why that takes longer is they have to kind of find the right dose. So um, even in the five to 11 year trials, they weren't sure if they could use the adult dose, but they have to use a smaller dose. And so there's a, a dose finding part of the trial that they have to do to find that sweet balance between um, getting good protection, but not getting too much side effects. And so that'll be really important then to do for the um, six, six months to five years age group. What are some tips for keeping children calm during vaccinations when they're afraid of needles? Dr. MP. I think that's a, a great point in talking about, you know, preparing your children for getting vaccinations, even childhood vaccinations as well. And I think about being honest with them. So if they say, well, it hurts, being like, yes, it, it may sting a little bit when, when you have the vaccine. Also, they're, you know, working with the providers who are giving the vaccine. There's some excellent holds um, for children, especially this age group, whether it's sitting in mom or dad or parent or auntie, uncle's lap during that time to keep the child, you know, with their arm available for the vaccinator to do it, but also being hugged and supported by a family member. A lot of pediatric clinics also have some excellent techniques for distraction or for decreasing that pain. And then I think also giving children options too, like, do you want to account down for the vaccine or do you just want me to give the vaccine that can really help them feel empowered and um, part of that process. Tyann Connor adds to the response. 
like Allison said, be honest with your child, let them know that they're going for an appointment and tell them that it might hurt a little bit, but not for very long. And you can bring your kid's favorite book or stuffed animal, their favorite blanket, something else that's comforting. And then once the vaccine is done, just uh, reinforce that they made it through. It was quick and easy. It's no big deal. Sometimes something hurts a little bit and then we get through it and move on. And then you can reward them with something special, like going for a walk together or something really positive that you like to do when your child has done something well. Have there been any studies done on kids with underlying health conditions receiving the vaccine? Answering this question are Dr. Weiser and Dr. MP. The short answer is no, not really. There were there were a list. I don't have a list of the conditions that they were using to screen out or exclude uh, people who were in the uh, trials. Uh, certainly, those children who had immunocompromised uh, conditions were not included in, in the original trial because we know that in immunocompromised conditions that they're not likely to have as good of a response, and so uh, they wanted to to try and then study this in a healthy population. There certainly wasn't enough children in the initial study to cover all kinds of con- uh, conditions that you might want to look for. I agree. I, I didn't see, um, and I'd have to look myself um, at the vaccine study to look for some of those underlying conditions. But I, you know, many of the underlying conditions can predispose you to having worse outcomes when you get COVID nineteen. And so, I would definitely talk to your pediatrician or family medicine doctor or healthcare provider about that for your child. Doctors Weiser and MP respond to a question inquiring about vaccinating children who have congenital heart disease. So right now, um, congenital heart disease is not a contraindication or you know, a recommendation not to get the vaccine. So in fact, a child with congenital heart disease might be a, a greater risk to have a more severe outcome if they got sick with COVID. So it would be best that they do get um, vaccinated. But in that kind of uh, setting too, you want to, that's, you know, one of those things as a parent, you'd want to talk about that with your provider, with your doctor. And uh, if that child has a cardiologist, you can even talk with your cardiologist about the vaccine and, and, and what recommendations or what kinds of precautions should be taken for that kind of condition. We know that myocarditis is that kind of inflammatory condition that can happen after COVID-19, and it was seen in some small numbers. It can be seen more commonly in kids who get the infection and less commonly in kids who get the vaccine. Um, And in the trial so far, out of the the almost 3,000 kids who were in the trial, none of them had myocarditis, but the study was too small to probably see that because it's really like an order of two to 10 cases per million doses. So we won't know the risk of myocarditis from the vaccine until um, after kids really start getting this vaccine. I do know that, you know, when we had vaccines that that were available for five to 11 year olds, we reached out to all our subspecialists to see who our kids, you know, who, you know, you want to make sure we reach out and they get these um, vaccines and kids with congenital heart disease were definitely ones that they wanted us to reach out to. So they knew that the vaccines were available. Um, And that's, I think, so important, just knowing how the heart and lung work so closely together 
together and helping make sure that we're taking care of those lungs um, for kids with congenital heart disease. Dr. Weiser responds to a question from a person who thinks their family may have been sick with COVID-19 back in 2020. They asked if it is still necessary to have their children vaccinated. You should still get vaccinated even if you got sick. And there's a couple reasons for that. One is that the natural infection may not provide lasting immunity. And of course, there's going to be a range in this for lots of people. Some people may have got it in 2020 and never got sick again. Other people may have already gotten COVID twice or three times. Everyone's immune system is different. But as far as we know, for the most part, we expect that you have some immunity for about three months or so after getting COVID. And then it, it wanes quickly after that. And so for anyone who had prior infection, they should get vaccinated. We know from looking at the study, I In the phase three clinical trial, about 9% of children did have evidence of prior infection. They had antibodies against SARS-CoV-2 at the beginning of the trial. And then after they received their vaccinations, those who had prior COVID infection were found to have a higher level of antibodies than those um, who did not have prior COVID. So they get a better response. And what's really interesting is that the children who had prior COVID infection had lower reactions, systemic reactions and adverse events than those who who did not have COVID before. So you get a better response and you don't have as much um, side effects when when you've had prior COVID. About 38% of children aged 5 to 11 have circulating antibodies for SARS-CoV-2, so they have prior infection. And like I mentioned, the prior infection does not result in long-lasting protection, and it's not 100%. Thank you to the Northwest Portland Area Indian Health Board. We are Native and Healthy Native Youth for making this forum possible, and the medical and public health experts for their service and taking time to answer questions. Remember, at the Warm Springs Health and Wellness Center, you can set up a vaccination for your child 5 to 11 years old by calling 541-553-2131. I'm Liz Smith reporting for the Warm Springs program on 91.9 FM KWSO.